For generations, men and women alike have searched for plants or food, powders or potions that could turn up the heat. One food type prevailed. This week on In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, we ask... Are oysters actually an aphrodisiac? In the shower with Tazamarcus, 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 in the shower with Tazamarcus. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, a bite-sized, informative podcast that answers the mysteries of the world in 15 or so minutes. Have you ever wondered if time travel is possible? Or if alternate realities exist? Are micro-pigs actually tiny pigs? If you've wondered the answer to any of those questions, then good news, you've come to the right place. We have answered all of those and we are about to answer one more. So step into the shower with us as we answer the big question, are oysters an aphrodisiac? In the shower with Tazamarcus, 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 in the shower with Tazamarcus. Before we go in deep asking questions about oysters, there is something about oysters that I am absolutely sure of. Oh yeah, what's that? That they are disgusting. Do you know what? You can stop right there and get off the oyster hating train. Oysters are great. I love oysters. And do you know what? I think it's one of those things that like, as you grow up and you stop being afraid of oysters, that's the sign of you being a good person. What is it about them that you like? Like, I feel like anybody who likes oysters oh, they're just, loves they're just, they're oysters. Good. You know, they're, they're, granted, they're like snotty little slime salt monsters. Do but they like, not just taste like seawater to you? No, like they, they, it's when you when you get that finesse, you drink the liquor of the oyster and you get a little bit of a little bit of salt, you get a bit of umami, you get those kind of like those mineral notes. You know if the like I had an oyster recently where the oyster where where it was farmed was near an off flow from a bog. So, like, you could actually taste a kind of woodiness to it. Oh, it was amazing. And do you just swallow them down in one or do you chew them? I kind of swirl them a little bit, swish them. But you don't chew. You don't you, bite them. You can chew. But you don't. I do. Sometimes. Okay. It depends on the oyster. Like, if I'm getting something like a, like a native, like a smaller oyster, then I will. But, but if then if I'm getting, like, if I'm having a gigas or, like, a, a Dungarvan special, then th- those are huge. I mean, those, like, I've had... Those are like they're the size of the palm of your hand. Yeah, you so can't. you're not gonna you're not gonna chew that, you know. But also, like, yeah, it's like I enjoy it. I've I didn't always enjoy oysters. I didn't. Like the first time I ever had an oyster, I was like four or five years old, and I remember watching my parents. That eat just oysters. says a lot about Marcus's upbringing, doesn't it? What, At four the... or five years old, I was eating like sausages wrapped up in a slice of white bread, and Marcus was having. Oysters. I remember we were in Ballybunion, which is like it was on the west coast of Ireland. Um, and I remember seeing my parents eat oysters, and I was a kid. I was like, ah! Um, I'm half French as well for any new listeners. So you were like, oh! <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh! No, like I was a little French kid being like, Maman, Papa, oysters, please! Because I wanted to be like my parents. And I tried my first oyster and I vomited everywhere in the restaurant. I can imagine what that vomit looked like. It's not. It, looked, it just looked like one oyster. Oh, and God. Whatever, uh, like the chips I'd had for lunch. Anyway. anyway, anyway, anyway. Love them or loathe them. It's been an urban myth for generations that they are, in fact, an aphrodisiac. 
An aphrodisiac, for those of you who don't know, is something that turns up the heat, heightens your sexual desires, and brings the <gasps> hubba hubba. Basically, something that makes you horny. <laughs> Marcus knows this, but it's always been a dream of mine to open a corn shack. So, what's a corn shack? Just like paint a visual picture for us here. Okay, like a stall that sells nothing but corn with all sorts of toppings, and I want to call the stall either Corn Hub or So Corny. Corny, Corny, Corny. Do you know what, Taz? That's the wonderful thing about 2019. Like, today, you're a podcast producer. Tomorrow, you could be a corn shack entrepreneur. God knows what you could be in 10 years' time. Keep the dream alive, keep, baby. Keep that dream alive. Anyway, I far prefer to be talking about corn on this whole episode, but instead, we've got to talk about oysters. So, um, just to kind of go back to zero, like, what is the actual definition for an oyster? Like, it's not a fish. Does it fall, like, is it the first cousin of a clam? Oyster is the common name for a number of different families of saltwater bivalve mollusks that live in marine or brackish habitats. In some species, the valves are highly calcified and many are somewhat irregular in shape. Okay. Do you know what? There's actually an ongoing debate at the moment um, on whether oysters are vegan. Why is that? So Yeah, why is that, actually? So a lot of people... um, are vegan for the reason that, like, you know, intensive meat farming is very damaging to the environment. Whereas oyster farming, uh, because they are saltwater bivalve mollusks, um, is actually really good for the environment. Oysters are filter feeders. So you can put them anywhere. Um, They're very cheap to consume, or very cheap to produce, sorry. Um, You can put them anywhere, and they will actually clean the water of wherever they are put. Also, uh, when it comes to consumption, oysters don't have a central nervous system, so they have no consciences and they don't feel a thing. They're so also, that is kind of like the barometers of being vegan or vegetarian. It's a central nervous system. Nothing suffers. Okay. It's good for the environment and they're a really, really excellent source of protein. Interesting. The only problem is they're disgusting. <laughs> I think they're deadly. Anyway, you're let's... Just a, you're, let's just a, you're just a coward. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the beginning. Of where this whole theory began. Can I actually, just before you say anything, Taz and I once went on a date um, and I ordered some oysters and it was quite early in our relationship and she tried one and couldn't swallow it for, she kept it in her mouth for, I'm going to say, like five minutes <laughs> until eventually she had to spit it into the shell and put it back um, upside down into the ice. Not my, uh, not my brightest moment. It's okay. Let's go back, right back to the beginning. Like, where does this theory of oysters making you horny all begin. Like, how far back does it go? Oysters have been a reputed aphrodisiac at least since the Roman Empire and supposedly were regularly enjoyed as a virility booster by Casanova, an Enlightenment era polymath who lived from about 1725 to 1798. Casanova became best known for having seduced more than 100 women, described at length in his memoir, and his secret vavavoom may have been from oysters. I'd love to read that memoir. It's like, oh yeah, my name's Casanova. I eat oysters and ride a load of women. (laughs) Go on, Casanova. Good man. So historically, we know that oysters have been enjoyed since the 1700s and may have been considered an aphrodisiac back then. Um, But has there been any real research into into the the orgasmic properties of this saltwater bivalve mollusk since then? Well, since Casanova, people believe it to be a bit of an urban myth. But then in 2005, the idea that an oyster is an aphrodisiac got a huge boost. So around this time, many consumer publications reported the bivalve mollusks 
which can, which include clams, oysters, mussels and scallops, have been found to have desire-inducing properties. And uh, which publications are these? Are they like Horny Oyster Monthly or are they actual credible sources? <laughs> They're actually credible sources. So the stories came out of a presentation at the American Chemical Society by George Fisher. A prof- I love that his name is George Fisher. And yeah. Is, yeah, I know. Anyway, mm-hmm. bad joke. Uh, George Fisher is a professor of chemistry at Miami's Barry University. Fisher and some colleagues discovered that mussels contained the amino acid D aspartic acid, right. which has been found to increase the level of sex hormones in lab rats. Even though the study did not involve oysters exactly, Fisher was quoted in a number of publications speculating that perhaps the amino acid could contribute to the aphrodisiac effect. So I've never ever heard of a D aspartic acid, or a, but what exactly is its effect on humans? Like, is it does it inflate the balloon? <laughs> the effect of D acid in humans is still being studied. It may increase testosterone in sedentary men, but what it can do beyond that is not exactly clear. According to a 2015 study published in the Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition. Ah, okay, so it increases the testosterone. That makes sense. But like there are other supplements and food types known to boost testosterone production. Why is it only the oyster that's a link to affecting sex drive? Michael Kreikman, a sexual medicine gynecologist and counsellor at the Southern Californian Centre for Sexual Health and Survivorship Medicine in Newport Beach, California. Whoa, that's a mouthful. Has attempted to gather the available scientific evidence on so-called aphrodisiac. And he thinks that people are really suffering in silence and kind of looking for good information and there just isn't a lot out there. So basically people are kind of clutching at straws. In a 2015 paper in the journal Sexual Medicine Review, Kreikman found the risks of many substances people use to stimulate desire far outweigh any potential benefits, of which he found very, very little. Oysters are of course safe to consume, but here's the crux of it. No scientific studies have been conducted to show they can stimulate desire. The bivalves do contain zinc, which has been found to be an essential nutrient for testosterone production and spermatogenesis, he wrote in a paper. They also contain specific amino acids, which we talked about earlier, and serotonin, which are integral in the neutral path of the pleasure response, according to Kreikman. But these minerals and chemicals are also found in countless other food types. So it's hard to say that solely an oyster is an aphrodisiac. So it's basically, it's kind of based on the placebo effect and Casanova spreading rumours. That's exactly it. And Kreikman actually talks about this, saying, the challenge with studying oysters' potential impact on desire is that there is a very large placebo effect. The placebo effect being, just for anybody who doesn't know, uh, when people experience a benefit or change from an inactive supplement. Basically, the power of the mind. Yeah, so basically when people are told that there is a change happening in their body and... It's basically a lie and they believe it to be happening because... When the, the placebo group in any kind of medical study are generally given sugar pills um, and it's seeing if there's any noticeable difference in their their conditions or behaviours as opposed to the people given the actual control substance. Yeah, and it actually, it actually a, a lot of the time shows up a positive result. But if his patients ask about oysters, he tells them there is limited data to support their use but, adds Kreitman, if they like having oysters and it makes them feel better, then why the hell not? Has anyone other than Kreitman studied this? Like, this is what I love about In The Share. You find people who've dedicated their lives to, like, one little specific mad thing, like, do, do, do oysters 
wet the lettuce. You know, like it's <laughs> kind of... Okay, so I found another chap to have studied this. A guy called Barry Or Komisaruk, a professor of psychology at Rutgers University in Newark. And he says that he knows of no data proving that oysters have an aphrodisiac effect. So far, no one has discovered any substance that can truly turn on desire, says Barry, who studies the neural pathways involved in sex and is the co-author of The Science of Orgasm. So this guy spent his whole life researching the science of an orgasm. I know. Fair play. I wonder, was there any practical experiments? I'm sure there was. So he hasn't found any substance at all which can truly turn on desire. Like he hasn't found that mythical kind of love potion. Has he found anything that actually affects a person's sex drives? Some recreational drugs like marijuana can intensify the sexual response, he says. But that's not true for everyone. According to the University of California, Santa Barbara, which maintains a sexual health and information website based on scientific findings, marijuana can lead to heightened arousal, but it can also impair performance and lower inhibitions, leading to riskier sexual activity, according to the site. So again, no real clear-cut proof on this one. Anything else that can affect the sex drive at all? Alcohol can facilitate sex because it lowers inhibitions, but as Shakespeare noted in Macbeth, alcohol provokes the desires, but it takes away the performance. Pharmaceuticals like Viagra and Levitra add potency to sexual desire, but, adds Kamisaruk, only if the desire is already there. So the likes of Viagra can aid sex, but only if the desire is there. Desire, Commissaruk says, is a very tricky issue. It's complicated and nobody really understands it very well. So to kind of wrap things up, oysters might turn you on, but if they do, so might another whole host of food types and substances. Yeah, so there is like, there, there has been a bit of science carried out on this and there are things in oysters, there are amino acids and a whole host of other things that can kind of, aid in sexual desire but an oyster solely is not this be all and end all aphrodisiac that contains any abnormal things than any other food types that can aid desire as well do you know what? I still love oysters and I'm still going to eat oysters and who knows if that will do anything to me but I love them regardless in the shower with Marcus. 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 Well, there you have it, guys. If oysters turn you on, then continue to eat the oysters, but there may not be any scientific proof that they are the aphrodisiac they promise to be. Just don't be a shellfish lover. Ah. Ah. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of In the Shower with Taz and Marcus. We hope you've learned something. And if you want to learn more weird, random and wonderful facts, then good news, there are over 75 episodes of In the Shower with Taz and Marcus that are ready for your waiting ears. We answer all types of questions in 15 or so minutes. You can download them, listen to them in bulk, listen to them on your commute, when you're exercising, when you're cooking, wherever you so please. But if you listen to them, you will be a more interesting dinner party guest. And don't we all want to be a more interesting dinner party guest? If you have a question that you'd like to hear answered on In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, it couldn't be easier to get it in front of our eyes. Uh, you can email us on in the shower podcast at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us on Facebook by looking up In the Shower with Taz and Marcus. Or you can get us on Instagram or Twitter at In the Shower Pod. 
If you want to get in contact and just say that you listen to the podcast, we would really, really, really love that. All you listeners are invisible to us. So when we get an email from someone just saying that they've enjoyed the episode, then it really, really does make a huge difference to our days. As ever, and a lot of you do send us pictures of your pets, but we can always take more. If you've liked this episode, then please do share it to all your friends and family, anybody that you may think will enjoy it. That's our podcast spread and we'd really, really appreciate it. The debunking doesn't stop here. Next week, we're going to tackle a whole new question and I'm excited for it. This question comes from Sean McCardle and he asks us, where do humans actually sit on the food chain? I'm so, so excited for that one. That episode is going to be out next Monday in time for your morning shower. But in the meantime... Keep scrubbing. In the shower with Tazamarcus, 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 in the shower with Tazamarcus. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.